0: Hi, my name's Grace Campbell. I'm a comedian and feminist campaigner, and ever since podcasts started, I've been telling my dad he should do one. Dad, say hello.
1: Hello. I am Alistair Campbell. I am also a campaigner, and I fear I inspire a lot of Grace's comedy. And what's our podcast, Dad? Our podcast is called Football, Feminism and Everything in Between. Because? Because football is my passion. Feminism is your passion and we are going to be talking to interesting people about those two things.
0: And everything in between. Like Brexit. No, Dad. There is more to life than Brexit. Dad, we've got a rugby player on the podcast today. Yeah, yeah, not just any rugby player. Yes. Big guy. But I don't know that much about rugby. No. All I know about rugby is that when I was younger, you left us for 2 months to go on tour with the Lions who are a pretty big deal and that was in John that was in Johnny Wilkinson's day and I was very upset about it. You we were amazingly upset. I wrote I wrote you a very manipulative emotionally manipulative letter begging you not to leave. And
1: no you told me, you told me not to read it. You did that and then you gave me another one and said please don't open it." you're on the plane. And I opened it on the plane and it was you, you put a I was about of pictures, 10. But you put a load of pictures in this thing about you're going to miss this and you're going to miss this and this and this. And it was just awful. I was sort of with oh, these I'm
0: so manipulative. huge,
1: big rugby player sort of wondering why is this spin doctor we've got coming with us suddenly sort of sitting crying. The back playing the plane crying? Oh, yeah.
0: that's so sweet. Anyway, Anyway, very excited to talk to the person that we've got on today. Do you want to tell our listeners who it is?
1: Well, this is a guy who I actually met through having gone on that Lions tour because Richard Hill, who was on the Lions tour, World Cup winner with England, amazingly nice bloke, one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. And he's since gone into management with the England rugby team since he retired from playing. And he asked me actually at one point to meet up with this guy to do a bit of kind of mentoring and just chatting about, you know, how you deal with the media and how you deal with pressure and stuff like that. So he's actually been in our front room. He's met the dog uh, the last dog Molly um, but he and also he's just an extraordinary bloke because he's he's very young he's younger than you and yet he's only 24 only
0: one year younger he's, but he's like two months younger than
1: me right so he's younger than you though but he's already won I'm not saying you haven't achieved anything Grace but you he's won evolve, but no he's won three premiership titles he's won three European Cups he's been player of the season He's played for. He's a megastar with England, and he's been on the Lions tour. It's pretty. Huge. And while he did it all, he, he did a degree doing, in politics and got a two-one.
0: It's pretty. No, it's pretty impressive. I have so to he
1: really. Say. And, and he's and he's also a very interesting guy. He's got views about stuff other than. Um, uh, other than sport, as I know, having chatted to him in the past. So, well, so
0: you've I, mentored him? Is that well,
1: right? I, I think that sort of overstates it. I mean, I take credit for all his success, obviously, like I do with as you. As you do with me, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I've, I've talked to him about stuff. and um, But anyway, he's a really, really top bloke. He's, gonna, he's mega already in the sport. I think he's going to be mega outside the sport. So, let's just tell the listeners, if they haven't guessed who we're talking about, our guest today is Maro, Maro Itoje. Itoje. Maro, thanks for having us here at uh, Saracen Stadium. Um, I've taken off my Lions uh, weatherproof tracksuit <laughs> to top reveal a to reveal my Burnley jumper. tracksuit top, and yes. then I'd like you just oh, to wow. read the words on my on my t shirt: <laughs>
2: "Stop Brexit."
1: Excellent. <laughs> what do you think about that?
2: Brexit. Wow. Where do you start? Where do you finish? Um, well, I I voted Remain. I think you'll be happy to know. Uh I voted remain. So ideally I would like us to stay within the European Union, but I've I'm actually suffering from Brexit fatigue. I'm suffering from a lot of Brexit fatigue. So at this point, you know, I'm going into realms of let's just make a decision either way. Um it's I think it's I think this whole Brexit debate is actually very interesting. I think there's always a difference between theory and practical. I think in theory we could have Brexit and you know go off and make all these trade deals of all these beautiful, wonderful countries and have a lovely trade deal with the EU and they're all hunky-dory and everything. It's not going very well, is it? But in reality, that's just not going to happen. I think there's vested interest on the other side that is going to ensure that doesn't happen. And I think if you compare what we have within the EU compared to what it's going to be without... When we leave, or if we leave, <laughs> if we leave the EU, I think it'll be two very different scenarios. Ch- Ch- Theresa May in a word. I I I I can't give you a word for her. To okay. be honest, Jeremy I, Corbyn in a word.
0: <laughs> so as so as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: Can you see him being I, prime minister? I I can't. Um, I can't. I think there's. I don't know. I think if there was an election I, tomorrow, who would you vote? I, if there was election tomorrow, I think I'm voting Liberal Democrats. Yeah. If, if if I'm voting, it'll be it'll be Liberal Democrats because I feel as if I don't feel as if any political party at this point in time truly represents um, my point of view um, or how I fully look onto the world. But did you Um, you think we did
1: when we were in charge?
2: I think, oh, actually, like, this is not, this is an unpopular opinion, but I actually like Tony Blair. Uh, (laughs) And I think, obviously, there's certain things that people hammer him for, but I think when you, I I think, I think, I think he did a good job outside his war policy essentially, but actually actually like the guy, um, I think he 's eloquent, I think he 's smart, I think he's, he can he can fully handle himself, and I was a child during his his years, or an early teenager, um, but what I remember life was good <laughs> so yeah. so
1: bring back Blair, stop brexit yeah. uh, and <laughs> bring I'll,
0: back blair and i 'll not... ca-
1: carry on being your mentor and you 'll be. You're going to be a businessman when you grow up, aren't you? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You, and you, and you, would, would, you would rather we stayed? I would rather even we now, stayed, Even yeah. now,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: okay. Okay, well, we went straight into Brexit there. Well done, this is meant to be Brexit. <laughs> Brexit-free podcast. But but. I couldn't help it if you
1: read my T-shirt. <laughs> you
0: just stripped it down.
2: So Marrow, yeah. have always been called Marrow? Always been called Marrow, yeah. And your
0: nickname's The Pearl?
2: Yeah, The Pearl... Um, that's the nickname Rugby has given me, which I don't mind to be honest. And you went I mean you went to to Harrow.
1: I did. Right? Yes. Which is like one of the top private schools in the country. I mean are you from a wealthy background?
2: Uh, I think from a very um reasonable background. Um What are you are from get? Camden, aren't you? No, um well, my parents live live in Edgeware. Okay. Um, uh, we, we used to live in Cricklewood, but we originate from obviously Nigeria. Um, my dad, my dad has had several jobs. He's a <laughs> businessman; is probably the easiest description of it. My mum, she owns and manages some some of her property. You'll actually be very happy to know that my position on private schools is slightly altered. It's been influenced by I. I, I was listening to a podcast recently from, um, by Ed Miliband, Reasons to be cheerful. Mm. And he had uh he had a podcast or episode on private schools and it just highlighted things to me um which I didn't really wow. think about before in terms of in terms of how it perpetuates inequality. It's gonna be so exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ed's <laughs> our, first, our first he was our first he's really our first, episode, first episode,
0: episode, which is coming oh, really? out on Friday. Yeah. Um and had you not really thought about that before? I
2: didn't really think about it um in terms of on, on that angle, before, I think, when Ed Miliband was running for leadership, I think there was something in and around private schools as yeah, well. Yeah, he wanted to take
1: away the uh, charity status. Charity yeah, status. so
2: I, I actually do think there's some... I, I wouldn't go as far as say that you need to abolish private schools, but I do think there's some reform that could be good and could be beneficial did, for the wider did you road.
0: find when you were, were at harrow because like my experience of a lot of people that i know that went to private schools was that there was this sense of superiority with the other schools in the local area who were state or comprehensive grammar schools did you find that and see that so with some of the i students? think
2: there's there's definitely an element of that however it's I, w- I wouldn't make a sweeping generalization, mm. so I would definitely, I would, without a shadow of a doubt, some of some pupils there definitely have that kind of thing, definitely have that kind of feeling. However, I wouldn't say everybody has that type type of um, identity. You guys, Saracens have got you've got your own school, haven't you? We do, yes, the Saracen school. Is there, are
1: these are these kids that are running around the track outside? Are they from the? I
2: actually don't know where th- where they are from. They they could be um but and that's it, a state school it's a state school yeah cool. yeah so it's, it's a state school it's in um it's in Cottondale. it's in a a very deprived area um one of the most deprived areas of of this northwest london in which which we were situated in um so i actually think it's it's a great initiative from from the club um, yeah. i think a lot of effort has been put down to try and give these these um you know Underprivileged kids are better. And did better you start. did you experience any racism at Harrow? I I didn't experience. So I think I didn't experience racism at Harrow. But I feel so. I think I think racism is is very is very interesting because I feel as if a lot of a lot of people have an unconscious bias that they're unaware of. And like. Um, so uh, le- let me elaborate um, so when it comes to making assumptions about certain people um, they they jump to conclusions based on how they've been socially conditioned so how does that how... I guess I
1: did that when I was shot. you went to Harrow. yeah
0: yeah yeah I mean <laughs> I, I definitely have assumptions of people that went to private yeah,
2: school yeah. just because of how we were raised I think yeah so so with that um, and sometimes they can be good, but most of the times they could mm. be they could be they could be damaging because it's, it's preconceived ideas about about individuals, which um, could definitely not not be true. Um, and I think that, and I think the biggest thing maybe that I experienced at Harrow um, was uh, people perhaps making. Assumptions about me um, because of, 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 of who I am really, um, and whether that materialised in actual um, racial discrimination, I don't think so.
0: Mm. Have you, uh, post Harrow University, going into rugby, experienced actual racial discrimination?
2: I think sport is very interesting because sport is one of those. So I, I think my experience my experience is not the ordinary experience of um of of a black man living in London mm-hmm. and that's because of sport because sport is is one of the few is one of the few disciplines or or institutions where well it should be anyway, but it's based on merit mm-hmm. and People have such a they look they look up to people who play sport, and so the way they treat me is different from the way they will treat someone who's identical to me, Um, but but doesn't play play rugby. Especially if you're successful, if you're a successful um, sportsman. So my experience, I'm, I'm fully aware that my experience is very different to the way that. Um, another black person will will be will be experienced or how they how they will be treated, um, um, and that has affected um, you know, people's interaction with me.
0: Marks out of ten, how much of a football fan are you?
2: Uh, okay, so I've changed. So when I was, so I'm, I originate from Nigeria. Um, I originate from Nigeria, and in Nigeria, football is by far the dominant sport. Um, you know, football is dominates dominates it really does affect how people feel in Nigeria is Um, that national football national football and the Premier League the Premier League has there's a lot of not
1: Burnley fans
2: yeah, not quite Burnley (laughs) (laughs) I think there'll be some there'll be some there'll be some I don't think so no no I'll fight some I'm going to fight some Yeah, if you could find a Nigerian Burnley fan (laughs) outside of Burnley I'll be very surprised um but like, obviously the following <laughs> last <laughs> um Yeah, so the, the big teams, uh, uh, what's it, uh, the big teams, Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, but those ones just happened about two or three years ago, <laughs> um, but they have a huge following in, in Nigeria. And you're an Arsenal fan? yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan, yeah. yeah my, that's because my dad was an Arsenal fan. Um, so, yeah, I, l- I latched onto that. And throughout my you know, formative years, up until about, I'll say, probably about 15, I was a huge Arsenal fan. I loved it. I knew all the players. I had the sticker books. But, you know, there's something about being an Arsenal fan that just, you know, <laughs> brings you down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> And Presumably,
1: once you started to realise that you, you, you were going to make a career playing rugby, you, you, your weekends are gone... Yeah, y- that's y- not what
2: stopped it for me. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the moment that stopped it for me. Um, I was I was in the boarding house. I, went, I was at a um, boarding house in Harpenden before I moved to Harrow. And I was there and we're watching. I think, I can't remember if it was the Champions League or, or a Carlin Cup match, but it was definitely a midweek cup match. And we're playing Liverpool. And it was we we're going tit for tat, tit for tat. And I was so emotionally invested in this game that I remember, I think it was like, I think Walcott basically dribbled the whole pitch and, and scored, and I went crazy. I think I can't remember if we were drawing. I think we might, that might be to equalise. I was like, come on, we've got this. The next minute, Liverpool scored, I think it was like 4-3, um, and... I was reduced to tears.
0: And that's when you realised... I was
2: like, why Why am I so upset about this? Like, I'm not getting paid for them. It doesn't have any material benefit to my life. I'm just causing myself stress. So there's no need. So what, you pushed, really it away. You pushed it That's really interesting. pushed it away. From that, way, from that day onwards, I took a step back. I'm still an Arsenal fan, but I took a step back because wow. my, my emotional... You know, my emotional level of control. Investment is, as yeah. well, because yeah. we that's what
0: much. you... You're so affected by it. I
1: know. And it's like Jamie Carragher was saying that... When we talked to Jamie Carragher, and he was saying that the thing he loves about football is that sense of kind of it takes you to emotional places that you kind of didn't know existed. But you resisted I, that. I resisted that. Wow. wow, I resisted Do you think that's... But, but
2: how good were you at rugby by then? I was uh, 14, 15. Good. I, I I started playing rugby at 11. Um I joined the Saracens Academy around 14. Um so I, was, I think I was playing county county rugby. I think I might have played for South East England by She so kind of knew you were pretty good. Uh, yeah, I was I knew I was good, um but by that time it at that time it was far from certain because mm. there's in that age a lot of good players. So Yeah, yeah.
1: And and do you think there's much of a a class difference in rugby union definitely with rugby
2: union rugby league but also rugby yeah. union and football. Um yes. Yeah. Yes. Um and is that a good it, thing or a bad thing? Do you feel um well it is there's so the I think there's some caveats to that. I think yes is a, is a simple answer. I think rugby union um definitely is, has much more affinity to the to the upper classes. Um but at the same time, I think it now and in the future, it's it's reaching out further and further, mm. more towards the the lower classes. But what's uh, the
1: demographic when of the crowd
2: when when you come here? Ooh, so say compared to Arsenal. So I would say the crowd are a lot older. I think it's yeah a lot older. You have a lot of middle-aged and older people here. And 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 kids. I don't think you get too many young adults mm. um, here. So, like a lot of kids and a lot of like. So, I think it's it's a bit more of a family game because of the atmosphere that you know we create here, and mm. and rugby stadiums generally create. So, a lot of people bring their families, mm. their children. Their, their Is that parents. because
0: it's way less aggressive than Is, like football stadiums?
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's not for 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 the crowds. It's, it's not a hostile environment um, if you were playing Leicester yeah
1: and a thousand Leicester fans came yeah do they get segregated or do they just no mingling?
2: they'll be they'll be integrated ah. they'll be integrated they'll, there might be a section where it's Leicester but mm. that's only because of their ticket allocation yeah. we, we wouldn't purposely be trying to separate them I, I went to go and watch Arsenal versus Tottenham I, can't, I think it was the I think it was the Carling Cup and You're big a, on the Carling Cup here, <laughs> I can only, I, can <laughs> no, like I can, Carabao? Uh, yeah, I can only go, I can only go <laughs> midweek. Um, yeah, so I went to go and watch Arsenal v Tottenham and I was taken aback by the way these football fans were behaving. Um, towards each other? Towards each other. Mm. Towards each other, towards the players. Um, I, If I had children, I would not take my... Unless I had a box... I would not take my child to to watch a football game because really? the behaviour is honestly disgraceful. You should go what? to a
0: Burnley match. The Burnley fans are good. The, honestly, I was saying to Burnley match as a child, and it was really it's, traumatic. it's horrific. It was and, really it's, traumatic.
2: and that kind of <laughs> and that kind of behaviour is is honestly is honestly not good because I I saw I, I saw I remember going to a game a couple of years ago, and I was. With were the season tickets on the lower lowest lowest stand at the Emirates at the Emirates, yeah. And I saw I was obviously in the Arsenal end, but I saw little kids like ten, twelve year olds watching their parents or wh- whichever adult they were with swearing, abusing Wenger, um, um abusing Wenger, abusing Wenger, abusing the players. Um We lost that match, <laughs> that's probably why. But but then he saw his father do it, then this Mm. small boy started spatting out that abuse at the players, um, the opposition fans as well. And that is just not a great environment to be in. Yeah, I was on a
0: train the other day and there was a bunch of Birmingham fans going to Ipswich for a football match. And there was, like, five men and these two kind of six-year-old boys. And the men were just getting more and more and more and more drunk. And mm. the boys were, like, abusing everyone on the train. And these men were, like, encouraging them mm. to just take the piss out of... There was this, like, guy who was quite big. And they were just going up to this guy and just being horrible to him. And it was just, like, I'm sorry, but a lot of football fans, that is the kind of... Do you, ne- you, do you never get that in rugby?
1: Um. Do you ever get, have you ever been abused by a fan home or abroad?
2: Um, have I... So well the, the fact that I have to think about it Shows mm. you that it's not something that's prevalent um, But I'm sure sh- like, I'm sure I would have But It's not stuck in, in your What in about my on the field?
1: Have you ever I had don't... any racial abuse on the field of play?
2: I haven't personally But I've I, so I haven't I so personally But I've had friends who have I've had friends who have In 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 county rugby, growing up, I've had I've had I know someone who was abused in racially abused in in the under twenties World Cup, Um, so that problem is still not fully stamped out. And give me I mean, as you know, I went on the hugely
1: successful two thousand and five Lions tour, which is why I carry my my, my (laughs) everywhere you go this very (laughs) warm day today, but. What is the. Just give us a sense of the physicality that is involved. It's. Yeah. When, when you're absolutely crunching each other.
2: Um, so we have. So in our team at the moment, we have someone who's 140 kilograms, 135 kilograms. The whole of our front row is probably not under 115 kilograms. And all these guys are fit, <laughs> agile, huge men. And. You know, we're all running at each other, full pelt, trying to, trying to cause some damage. So it, it definitely is definitely a physical sport. Um, what's your diet like? What's my diet? Uh so yeah, it, like so now, um, I'm I'm at a stage where I'm not really looking to lose weight. I'm not really looking to gain weight. Um, I think I found my like ideal playing weight. What, what, what do you weigh? So I weigh about 117, 18 kilos. Wow. What's that in? old money old and money stones. I don't know about old money, you know old <laughs> old money? Oh. <laughs> what would that be like 18 maybe 18, 18 yeah. in a bit yeah. um, what's your
1: body mass what's the fat How BMI fat? Yeah. oh uh,
2: um, my fat percentage I think I'm around 11, 11 or Eleven. Is that 11. good? Yeah, it's good. good.
0: So what's what's your sort of? I saw your diet? six
1: pack picture in your selfie when you were on the. Uh, <laughs> you were the only one showing. You were breathing, though, weren't you? you were breathing. No, in. No,
2: no, that was just a uh, good lighting. And that's all it was.
0: <laughs> but I remember when it that article about Johnny Wilkinson came out that he ate twelve eggs. No, breakfast. I told them, you. Mine's taught. No, but also that was like a thing. That was right. a story. Do you do anything uh,
2: like that? I I don't think my diet is is too is too crazy. Um, I just try and get get the basics right. Um, so I tr- I've recently, well, within the last year or so, I've tried to significantly reduce the amount of sugar that I consume. Um, so, do you drink much? As in alcohol? alcohol. Uh, no, I don't drink. No. I actually don't really like alcohol. Um, is rugby I, still
1: a drinking culture or not? Uh,
2: there's there's a little bits of Little bits of that. Um, I only, I only drink if I'm going out. I don't. I'm not the type of person. I actually hate wine and beer, okay. which is probably kind of helpful for yeah. for, for what I do. But it, like rugby players still love beer. Um, I know every time we have like a team social or whatever, I'm always taken the mick out of because I can't really down down a pint of beer or anything like that so um you know sometimes rugby players can be harsh they see a weakness and they they attack me through it so is there a lot of
0: that banter
2: yeah yeah rugby um rugby's full of full of banter full of full of all that jest on the pitch as well uh, a little bit on the pitch um but it's it's a Probably a bit more serious on the pitch, <laughs> uh, but definitely off it.
1: Do you, just going back to football and the sort of behavior, the conduct of people. Do you think the fact that when you're playing, you have a referee who is mic'd up and we can hear what he's saying to you and we can hear if you're talking back. Yeah. Do you think if they brought that into football, it would just comp- it would change the game overnight? Is it, is, um, or is that just too I simple? Think, I
2: think... I think it it could make some change, but I also think that the the difference between rugby and football is that you can be you're penalized for bad language to the referee you're penalized for talking back to the referee, so there's a element of respect and the more you um bad mouth criticize the referee during the game the, you're causing detriment to your team
1: so what happens so, though if you know that the referee has made a mistake you just suck it up. so
2: so obviously you can you can try and reason with him. But most of the time... Um, you suck it up. He, he, well, it's, it's very difficult. Sometimes you try and reason to him. Sometimes you try and maybe... Because we have the TMO um, in rugby, which I know they're... TMO, we, Grace, like displays to our listeners what TMO is?
0: Yes. Too much operations. <laughs> <Children's> <laughs> operations area, yeah. uh, um, television match
2: official.
1: Um. <laughs> football, in football, it's the equivalent of...
0: Yeah, V-a- F-M-O. V-A-R? V-A-R. <laughs> which is? The visual artistry reduction. <laughs> uh, what was they even talking what about? What is the T-M-O?
2: Uh, yeah, so it's, it's basically the, a referee that is up in the stands, which if the, if the referee on the pitch is unsure about a decision, he refers right. to the television Who match official. You? Okay. And he watches the back. So you can make a plea to the referee to check the TMO, mm. but... But you do it politely. You don't but you say... Have to, you have to do it politely, sake. because... Um, Otherwise, you're going back 10 yards. And, and, and that way is the self-policing mm. aspect of it as a team. Because there's only so much... Like if, if if one of your teammates does it once, you're like, okay, yeah. it's Everyone gets annoyed. Does it mm. twice, like, mm. okay, this us get... Then so you will time. get annoyed with your teammates if, if you do if, it? If, 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 if someone is... Consistently doing it to the detriment of the team, then you will get annoyed. Mm. And have
1: you ever felt that people, your, any of your opponents, have, have have set out physically to hurt you and take you out of a game?
2: Um, I think I'm not thinking I, about Brian yeah. Driscoll in the 2005 first <laughs> at all. Obviously, uh, I definitely think that you definitely want to physically hurt your opponent because that's part of that's part of the game. Um, and what's the limit? What's the limit that well, you, you do? You, you don't want to. Do something illegal to hurt them. You want to hurt them within. the What's level. illegal? So Bone breaking. Y- yeah, no, well, breaking bones is part of the game. But
0: have how many? Have you broken
2: bones? Yeah, I've broken my jaw here. Oh my have you broken other people's bones? Um, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> maybe um, your jaw. What else? I've, I've broken my hand. My jaw has only two bones. Okay. I've broken. you don't you don't set to out to break no, some no, those bones. No, no, you don't. You don't. No. So, wait, so what's the limit of how you can hurt people? So within the letters of the law. So, so if you, you could... If, if, if hit them hard, you hit them as hard as you can. Because um, at the end of the day, rugby is a collision-based sport. The more collisions you win, you're probably going to win the game. Uh, I don't know what the stat is, but at the crux of it, if you win, if you dominate the collisions in a game, your team is probably going to be on the front foot. And you're probably gonna win.
1: And what's the most you've ever hurt, but not wanted to show it to your opponent?
2: Most I ever hurt. Um, the, the most painful experience was my jaw. Mm. With my jaw, I was in agony. <laughs> I was in agony. How did it happen? Uh, so someone went to go and catch a ball. Um, it was a box kick, so I was chasing. Um, someone caught the ball, um, and he stepped off um, one of his feet and. Went into me as I was went to him and tackled him. Then he his head ducked into my jaw, and oh my, my jaw um, broke. It was a box kick, and my head. So it was a box kick, and I was running. Then the opposition player caught the ball, um, and he ducked as I, as he stepped into contact, and he hit my jaw.
1: Do you? What's extraordinary about you is you're 24. You've won three English titles, three European titles, you're European player of the year, two Six Nations, including a Grand Slam, and you did a degree while you were doing that. That's pretty impressive. I'm going to give you that. <laughs> uh, I know you had me as a mentor but <laughs> to
2: come round
1: and pick my brains about politics. I accept, <laughs> accept that role in your life. However.
0: So, when you were at SOAS? I was at SOAS. What were yeah. you studying? It's politics. Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Also, going back into um, education a little bit, I actually found so Harrow obviously is is an extremely right wing school. Um, the, all, pretty much all the teachers are right wing. I did have one economics teacher who was the biggest lefty I've ever come across and he hated Margaret Thatcher <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was predominantly a um, a right wing school whereas SOAS is a complete the opposite. opposite. It's crazy. Um so it was it was for me I think it's kind of refreshing to have experienced two environments which are And what almost... was
0: your personal politics when you were like leaving Harrow pre SOAS?
2: So I think so my political persuasion, I'm I'm centre left, um Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm definitely. And you sort of Um,
0: knew that, even though you'd been in this quite right-wing environment.
1: um, Probably knew it because you were in that environment.
2: uh, So yeah. uh, So my first politics lesson at Harrow, um, we had a, we had, uh, the teacher came up and said, okay, so if there was a general election today, um, how would you guys vote? Then he said, if you're going to put vote Labour, put your hand up and I put my hand up and I looked around. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I can't remember maybe one other person put their hand up. They, they put, they put their hand, if you're gonna vote Liberal Democrats, put your hand up. Then no one put their hand up. <laughs> they vote Tory, then the rest of the class wow. put their hand up. Um and that was probably the that was probably a microcosm of how the actual school is um Do so you think they're partly but,
1: educated to they, they're coming from a conservative background and they're partly educated in that way too. Yeah, yeah. Would
2: and you ever consider being, going into politics? I, I just feel as if to, to get in a position to make meaningful change, you have to give up so much of yourself. You have to give yeah, up, you've
1: got loads, of, you've got decades ahead of you.
2: Ten years of rugby. Ten years of rugby. Ten years of business. Ten years of politics. Ten years of politics. <laughs> anyway, to get <laughs> to be a politician to make meaningful change, I think you have to give up so much of yourself. You have that to is true. and you have to compromise on so much of your values that the end products that you can eventually end up with is not a true reflection of 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 what you think is the right I thing. I don't
1: to think, do. I don't think I don't think we compromise on our values. I don't think Tony compromised on his values. I don't I don't think Thatcher did. That much. I like, just think
0: that you have to give up a lot of your your life and Well it yeah.
2: becomes your life. But sport yeah. becomes your life sport when you're doing also. it at your level. Yeah.
0: But it's much more rewarding sport. Uh, well it's when to, it's good.
2: When it's good is good. But I, I guess you can make the same argument for politics. Like when if you pass a piece of legislation that you know has a material <laughs> impact on people's mm. lives, um, change their lives for the better, I I suppose you can make that same kind of (laughs) But I think
0: the problem with politics, which isn't quite the same with sports, is that politicians are always remembered for what went wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, Dad, what was it like for you and Mum when you were starting out as journalists?
1: Well, the whole world was different, but the media world was so different, I can hardly even describe it, because the world you've grown up in, where you get everything on your phone and you've got so much media and 24-7 news... None of that existed. You just had the papers and you had the news on the telly a couple of times a day. So I think it's become harder to work out not just what's true, fake news and all that, but also what's the limit to what you consume.
0: And you don't really get the papers anymore, do you?
1: No, um, I but don't.
0: you do get the week. I do get the week. Which we're very excited about being sponsored by for our podcast, aren't we? I'm not saying
1: that football's their big thing, but funny enough, the one that I picked up The week they said they wanted to sponsor the podcast of this very good piece on Vincent Company, um, a very good piece on football in Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what's really cool about the week is that it comes once a week and it's basically an antidote to the echo chambers that we often get caught in. So what the week does is it sort of sources opinion and news from over 200 publications worldwide and they cover all different opinions across the spectrum, which is really cool for me because... I get to see what the Telegraph reader is getting, but I also get to see what the Guardian reader is getting on a particular news story. What
1: I like is the fact that, as it says on the front, it's the best of the British and international media. One of the things that's turned me off most of the British papers is actually it's like the world ends at Dover. and
0: what's really cool about it for me is like I like to seem very clever um (laughs) whenever I'm out and about like I like to impress people with my facts but also I'm perhaps not as um, active in reading in the week to constantly make sure I'm getting all of my news so reading the week once a week does really clue me up with what's happening around the world and it gives me really cool facts that I can just drop at the pub and make people sort of stunned that I know that stuff. Wow. Wow, you're so clever. Join thousands of people who trust The Week as our essential, curated news source. Try it for yourself with your first six issues completely free. All you need to do is visit theweek.co.uk forward slash offer. And then when you get there, you can type in our very special offer code, which is football. And you can claim your free six issues of The Week. And then after that, you can decide whether or not you want to subscribe. But I think you will because you want to seem clever at the pub. On a scale of one to ten, how much of a feminist are you? There is no right or wrong answer this,
2: to this. So yeah, this is um, like, so that's, that's, that's a very I, I would I, I, these these scales. You guys are good, <laughs> on, big on your scales. I don't, I don't this really, is him? I, I don't really know <laughs> how to answer these scales. But what I would say is that <laughs> I I definitely. So I think feminism. Interest. I would I would consider myself a feminist however I'm I'm very careful about the use of the term because I don't want it to come across as I'm somehow like jumping on a bandwagon or hijacking some kind of movement or whatever um for me feminism I, I think you can you can make a lot of elaborate definitions of of feminisms, but for me, what it comes down to, it comes down to freedom. Um, it comes down for um, equality, equality and freedom. Really, it's about um, females having the the freedom to choose the life they want want to live, and having all those barriers that society has put on them to be. Her down to allow them to, to freely express themselves. It like a lot a tend to me.
0: Yeah, I mean that was amazing. No, no, was that, that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> He could never bring out that, that definition. Of you, that was amazing. No, it was about
1: freedom and equality. I yeah, you. you I never that. said that. You would never say, I say that. Say it all the time. You don't. No, listen. but it's
0: true because if you look at what's you know happening in America right now with abortion and women are constantly being restricted of their freedoms over their bodies. And I think that's a fundamental thing of feminism, actually. So that's really cool that you that you. Know I noticed that,
1: you that. stuck up for Casta Semenya mm. recently, the mm. South African athlete who's had all this testosterone stuff thrown at him. Yeah, was that a racism thing
2: as well as a sexism <laughs> thing? What, what, what was your feeling about that? It's, it's so that that case is is so is is. I do I do understand the complexities of that case, and I do understand the the differing opinions um around that but at the crux of it she hasn't done anything to she hasn't done anything to enhance her performance apart from be herself mm-hmm. she's she's trained and i think it's unfair that she's she's getting essentially punished for that mm. i know the i know it's i know it's difficult and i know there's um there's um arguments on, on either side but I, I, I feel that, you, that she should be able to run.
0: Yeah, 100%. But what, I mean, I haven't followed this very closely. What is happening?
1: Well, she, I mean, they, they, she, she's, she kind of lost that case, is not she? Yeah,
2: so basically, Casa Semenya is a 800-meter runner for South Africa, and she is arguably the most successful 800-meter runner of this generation. And not by a mile. By but mind. yeah, yeah, and she, um, she, she's. I can't. I think it's DSD or DID. I can't remember the specific condition that she's born with. But she, so a woman has XX chromosomes, and mm. she has XY chromosomes. So she has um, a higher level of testosterone um, compared to any, or compared to normal, a normal XX um, athlete. And they um, wanted to treat her. Second and later.
0: who's they?
1: The the, the 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 world athletics thing yeah
2: what it, the one that's
0: crazy it. that they can interfere yeah. like that.
2: So I think they they told her that she can take um, pills to reduce her testosterone level, but then I th- is, uh,
1: so, so she has to take drugs <laughs>
0: essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, makes yeah, absolutely yeah, no yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, no, you stuck up for for I mean, Afua Hirsch. That's what we we're going to talk about. Afua, the, yeah, the, I'm actually a big fan of. Afua. She's amazing. A, I I'm, love her. I'm
2: a, I'm a huge fan of Afua. I, I, I've, but she was getting she was she, getting yeah into she was Danny Baker. The, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that
0: was amazing. Like it was just.
2: I think her her description of it was was amazing. Yeah. Um, but I also think, it's just like She was just like
0: I'm sick of having to explain this to people. You um, know and. I, all like, of his mates telling her, like what actually happened, and it was just like you're all on another planet. I
2: I, I just I, I don't know. The, the, I think one one of the panelists made an argument that if it wasn't intended to be racist, um, it's 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 not a racist comment or something along those lines. And I think certain actions are. <laughs> racist in a, in, a, in of itself. Mm. Um, and do you do you, he,
0: you? I'm sorry, but he's not stupid. He was no, he's, just he's, being he's racist. Clever. He's very clever. Exactly. His
1: radio five because I got to Burnley a lot. <clears> you know, his radio five program on a Saturday morning has been one of the best listens ever. Almost as good as this podcast. I tell you, it's that good, Grace. But
0: but but also, I mean, what Arthur said in that clip was that he's you know he's not going to actually lose work from this he's he's still mm-hmm. he's got another sh- he did another show like nearly after it happened he's Maybe not
1: mm-hmm. what um you, you also um you have strong views on that what Raheem Sterling said
2: about the way the media covered black people and white yeah. people yeah um yeah I, do you feel
1: any of that in rugby have you ever felt
2: I I think so I think this is not just about sport I think this is this covers. How black people are portrayed in the news, mm-hmm. um, in in any kind of news outreach or news media kind of source, there's always there's always a difference when you when you when you look at it. Uh, even um, punditry, football punditry, sure. um, when they refer to black and white players I think there's a, there's a significant difference
1: even something like Brexit I've noticed if you, when, you, when they do these ridiculous vox pops when they go out and say what do you
2: think and one of this and one of this they're always all white mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like but, but it's, it's not even that which I think is is the issue so when they report a a, a murder that's gone on let's say they, they, let's say someone has been murdered if it was a white male they'll say uh teenage boy coming from a loving family of mm. five in the suburbs of Kent uh, was, flying. <laughs> was, bruci- yeah. was brutally murdered <laughs> by um, by uh, a certain individual whereas if it was a black person they'll say black <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll say mm. a black boy who was on the streets uh, who was wearing a hoodie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was murdered So, and the tone in which um, the tone of which they report these things are mm. are so different um when 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 um uh, uh, a white male or a white person is murdered it's, it's, they're just a person mm. when it's a black when it's a black person they always add the caveat of black in front of that and they always frame it in a way which is which is almost mm. can be negative and they certainly do, and they certainly do when it's the murderer and so yeah, with, um, yeah even more so
0: with what, what what was it that you meant when you said in football punditry is that
2: so in, I mean when they desc- I from just
0: because I don't actually follow yeah people. so
2: I think a lot of the time when they describe um, black players in football they talk about they talk about their athleticism. They talk mm. about their power. They talk about their speed. Um, they don't talk about their skill. They don't talk about um, their deft touch, or they don't talk about the 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 accuracy of their game. A lot of it is 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 framed around their physical attributes rather than their actual skill level.
0: Yeah.
1: And okay. do you, do you, have you ever felt that in rugby? The rugby media. Um, you- You
2: get a a good price, don't you? Yeah, yeah. They've been kind to me thus far. They've had their moments, (laughs) but they've they've been (laughs) been kind to me thus far. Um, Again, I, I don't think it necessarily applies... I wouldn't use that ex- example to me per se because like my game is, is all around work rate physicality um like hitting people like continuous efforts it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not about like silky passes or silky skills or anything like that um there's elements of my game that invo- involves uh, like a lot of skill like um, restarts um kick off receptions line out stuff that requires skill but uh, for the for for the naive um watcher at least the, if they 'll see me play they 'll see a physicality to my mm. game which mm. which that description would would fit me but what i 'm saying is there 's nuance to everything and they shouldn 't have a, a sweeping kind of characterization yeah. for
1: I I, I I talked to Rio <clears> <he was> telling <throat> the other day about this, and um I asked him whether if he was racially abused again he would ever consider walking off. And he said, no, he wouldn't. But I just wondered if you were ever... If you were racially abused on the pitch, would you would you ever think of just saying, right, sod it, I'm off? Uh,
2: it's... it's uh, I think it's... Uh, so by the fans?
1: Fans, a player.
2: Um, I think... If... It, it's, it's very hard to say, unless you're in the moment. Mm. Um, it's, it's very hard to say. I think... I think it depends. Um, like if 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 I was and in, walked into a stadium, and the whole stadium was was abusing me. Um, see, I'm caught between two minds because I feel as if no one should be subject to play in front of 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 of, of abusive of, of, fans of, of abusive fans to that regard. But in a way, I'm also thinking. You're a show. Number One, show them, but number two are they do they win if if you mm. walk off mm. so i'm i'm not really yeah, too it's sure
0: hard. Mm. i don 't know much about this, but in the way that women 's football is kind of on the rise at the moment what's yeah. the status of women 's rugby is that sort of yeah being taken yeah over so years? obviously
2: yeah. um it's probably the the difference in level between or difference in profile between women's football and men's football it mirrors the difference in profile between men's rugby and, and female rugby. And within the last couple of years, it's it's definitely on the rise. Um, there's a women's team here, right? There's a women's yeah. team here. And I think as a club, I think they, they've made a big effort within the last couple of years to try and um, integrate them more into the... Into the whole club set up Are they professional? Um, I think some are, not all. It's, they're not completely professional. Mm. I think maybe the England players are professional. We have some England players I think they're the professional ones, and um, the rest of them are not professional. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 difficult. Um, it's difficult because. Uh, I think it boils down to to money. At the end of the day, they need they need the Mm. the right backing and the right sponsorship Mm. and um, and viewership. Yeah, more people to want to come and watch. To want to come and watch. But yeah, I think definitely in the Six Nations, um, I think there were the highest uh, female attendance Mm. at games. I can't remember the specific number and which games they were at. But I think there was definitely an England game, and there was uh, I think. a... A France-Ireland game or something like
1: that. Um, Just on mental health, I came and did a talk for you guys at Saracens about mental health. It was really interesting because I felt afterwards, talking to people, that there was quite a lot of of people who really wanted to talk about it. And I just wondered whether you think that mental health, because certainly rugby league, I've done some work with rugby league clubs, I think that they really are open about mental health. And I just wonder whether you think it's opening up a lot more in rugby league. i th- i think
2: i think it's it's mirroring um society i think society as a whole is opening up um a lot more um and i think rugby is 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 definitely the same and i think i think people are are uh, are becoming more comfortable with being vulnerable it's it's definitely um something that is 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 alien to a lot of people especially in our sport as you know it's it's all about being tough Mm. it's all about
0: fronting up do you think there are people that struggle that don't have the sort of space to like open up about that in rugby rugby. well because also you Uh, know it's kind of I think some people
2: definitely will um but i think it's especially the environment that we have at saracens is such a it's such an open environment where that I think. I, well, I would like to think that if people are going through something, that at least someone will know about it and someone would try and try and help them. Um, it's it's, um, it's it's definitely. I think it's definitely a space in which is is improving.
0: Mm. What is your dream six aside team Ooh. to change the world and you are yes. the manager?
2: So, I've three men, three women. Yeah, so I've I've this was a very tough discussion, oh stuff, tough debate in my mind. I'll I'll start off with um the men, uh, the first one and i will probably making my captain, uh Kwame Nkrumah. Mm-hmm. Um the first president of Ghana. Yeah, um, you've
1: got a really big thing about Ghana. I've noticed that. Uh,
2: not really. You have.
1: I, You're always tweeting stuff about Ghana. No,
2: I just, I'm just, I, I just love r- your little flags as well. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just really like the rhetoric around um, the Ghanaian independence movement. Yeah. I think, I think it was really powerful. I think it, it, it did a lot to instill um, hope and pride. For a lot of mm. African countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. He's, he's the captain. He's, he's the captain. skipper. He's the yeah. skipper. Number Good. Two. Uh, number two, uh, I would pick Muhammad Ali. Yes. Um, he's, yeah, I, I think he doesn't even need a description. He's He's. The, he's, he's yeah. the guy.
1: I don't want to sort of name drop here. But uh, yeah, you
2: don't you need to. Bored. <laughs> before you were born, I met him. I met Did him. You? Before you were both born. I
0: yeah. didn't know that. I've yeah. never heard that story before. Thanks. I'll
2: tell you about it. Um, Number three, Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, again, an, another awesome. Met him too. All know. right,
0: Dad, it's not <laughs> just, your moment. We talking about my
2: mentee here. Yeah. So um, then the three women, and I'm, as I'm re- looking at it, looking at my list now. I'm still deciding whether to go one way or the other. Um, I think I would pick Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently read her book Becoming. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. Um, i have actually, i actually. There's is a short list that I'm I'm struggling to pick between. there's one one big name is gonna drop out? Um, oh, yeah. I, I know who I'm dropping out. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at your phone now. <laughs> there's one big name I'm
0: gonna what, who, drop out? Who do
2: you want to drop in? Because oh, so, I'm looking at it now. Oh, Tell us the process. Give okay, us. The, okay, let's so, yeah, this is down. good. This All is right, good. So, so, this is the, the creative so I have, process. I have Mother Teresa in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think as, you know, as someone who spreads love and peace, yeah. um, is is amazing, amazing person. Uh, then I'm choosing between um, Oprah Winfrey. I could just call her Oprah, everyone knows yes. her. <laughs> or Chimamanda Adichie. Oh, okay. Um, I, know, I know where I'm going. Ah... Uh, I, I'm i going to go to Amanda yeah. because mm. she's Nigerian <laughs> to Both incredible women energy. though uh, Oprah will be on my bench Yeah um, Strong bench Yeah Malcolm X is on my bench mm. Okay And uh, Martin Luther King's on my bench as mm. well I'm very
1: hurt that your mentor is not uh, but, yeah. but anyway if there was, Maybe if there was I'll the, live with it I'll live with it I think Martin Luther King on the bench is a nice image uh. <laughs> Why? Because he's just such a legend, I can see him sitting there, sort of just yeah. you know, yeah. chilling and waiting. And yeah, that is a good, very good,
0: good list. strong list.
1: You feel your blackness deeply. My what? You're, you feel your blackness
2: deeply. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, uh, is it's, it's a crucial part of who I am. Um, I think it's a integral part of my identity. Um, um, I have very very proud Nigerian parents. Um, who come from a very very proud family, um, so I think that's rubbed off on of me. I think, and especially growing up in in a Western society, um, you know, you're, you're you're made aware that you're you're different, yeah. and um, I, I think especially it, at Harrow, <laughs> you say that there's loads of black guys at Harrow, loads, really? yeah, loads I definitely there's more black guys at Harrow than. I was then the this... boarding school I was at beforehand. Um, wow. It's loads. Of... Well, listen, that was absolutely brilliant, Mario. Thank you for oh, all your time.
0: You. That was great. Thank, thank you. Me.
2: Thank you, thank you. I
0: mm, hope you enjoyed it. Thank
2: you. Thank you for having
1: me. So, Grace, yet another top sportsman that I've introduced you to, and you looked a bit smitten to me.
0: Yeah, he was pretty impressive <laughs> I, I I really liked that I really loved his definition of feminism I, I thought that was so cool that he obviously thought about it probably before even knowing he was doing this podcast but thought about what feminism really means and he just nailed his definition yeah. I don't think I could sum it up in. Such an amazing. You should
1: should put you should get that clipped and push it out and yeah, we should put it on the quote cards.
0: Definitely, it was really really cool. And um, yeah, he's so sort of clued up on Brexit and politics, and I thought he had loads of really interesting things to say about all of that. And he's also,
1: I I, I liked the. I thought he was really thoughtful as well about the the difference between football and rugby and the crowds and the culture. Because I've got to be honest, I I know I totally get what he says about when you see fans really going at each other and it's horrible and it's horrible when it gets violent and the language and all that. But I've got, to be, I've got to be honest, I do prefer a football crowd to a rugby crowd. I find the whole rugby thing just a little bit too twee and a little bit too middle class. Just every question you answered, it asked, it was like just straight out what he thought. I mean, even down to, you know, he thought about it and I suspect, well, he, he's, I know that he's a kind of, I think he's been a Labour supporter when we were in charge and he's now shifted to the Lib Dems.
0: You loved it when he said he loves Tony Blair you I, loved that didn't did you kind of you had such a little smile on your face Brian, I did
1: brighten up with that because a yeah. 24 you though, year old saying that it's quite but rare also outside the political bubble I get that a lot more than you might think
0: no I, I believe that yeah. I get that a fair bit um, but that was yeah it was a really interesting episode and I think that would be really cool for people to listen to I also who just love, know him from his rugby career
1: I also love the fact that all of your six aside are black mm-hmm.
0: that was cool yeah, well, he's very political, isn't he? I think he's very political and, very, and... And,
1: and I love the fact that he went to Harrow and he now thinks private schools should be dealt with.
0: I love that because he listened to the Ed Miliband podcast. He did. He did. That's how he realised. Not ours, ladies and
1: gentlemen. he listened, no, he listened to, to Ed, Miliband's, Ed Miliband's Reasons to be Cheerful. Where they talked about the benefits that private education
0: get. Yeah. I thought that was really cool.
1: Thank you very, very much for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast.
0: This podcast is a Pink Protest production.
1: And if you're wondering where the fantastic music comes from, it's by my favourite Scottish band, Skipinish. Skipinish.